millennials are now becoming senior leaders, Gen Z is in the workforce, Gen A is on their way. And so they're going to push the changing dynamic of how leadership and and team structures are that I think people need to be anticipating and working towards now so that they're prepared for it or else it's going to be an interesting time. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Empowered Women's Podcast. Normally I would start by saying we have a treat for you, but today I feel like it's more of a treat for me because we have two guests that I love working with, two of my favorite colleagues. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. It's been a long time coming. We get a lot of questions often around how do you build your career? What are some of the components of moving into leadership? And so we really wanted to demystify some of the non-functional expertise that kind of align with really becoming a great leader and so I think these two folks are really poised to give us some insights into what that might look like. We have Dwayne Cash who's our director of recruiting here at Warner Brothers Discovery and Antoinette Miller who's director of diversity outreach and recruiting. I'll let them both tell you a little bit about themselves. Um, So Dwayne I'll start with you. Great as she said Dwayne Cash. I am from Harlem so a native New Yorker I started my career in HR back in 2005. I'm dating myself, but I've been more kind of drawn to HR because I really want to help people navigate careers, complexities of careers, and help them with an insider perspective on what happens on the other side of the process and kind of prepare them. So I've been in recruiting for about 16 years. That's interns, director level. So much, much of the work I do in support of WBD is really built around new sports in U.S. Nets, which is our TV business, and I am happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Hard act to follow here um, with Dwayne Cash, but <laughs> hi everyone. I'm Antoinette Miller. As Janelle said, I lead our diversity outreach team. I'm really excited for this conversation. I am also a native New Yorker, have lived in a couple of different places, different boroughs, um, and also in the suburbs, but I've been in the media and entertainment industry now for about 14 years. Started as a diversity assistant at News Corp and have spent just the rest of my career trajectory having a hybrid of diversity and recruitment, career development in my background. So really excited for this conversation again. Um, And so we'll dive in a little bit more. All right. So guys, thank you for that. I want to start with one of the things that I think are really critical as you think about who you want to become, how you want to move into leadership, personal brand. And so I want to get both your thoughts on how you approach building your own brand and what you've seen work really well with some of the um, candidates, executives that you've worked with. Oh gosh, that's a, that's a heavy question. But I think a lot of what relates to your personal brand is just the values that you stand on and really kind of what you envision for yourself. And sometimes that is a hard thing to figure out, right? I think where we're all coming up in our careers, sometimes we are following a career path that maybe our family members want us to follow. And we're not really sure what the landscape looks like until we actually get that first job. And so your brand continues to evolve as you continue to evolve as a person. And that personal 
inventory is really, really important to kind of set the tone for who you want to be, how you want to show up, and how you really want your career path to be. A lot of what I've experienced too is just getting that feedback from senior leaders who I've worked with who inspire me and really leaning into what they've had to say about how I'm showing up. That's helped me to kind of navigate a lot of the ways in which I've figured out what works best for me and also what I'm interested in, in addition to the values that I stand on and that I represent. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, for me, it's more about, I guess, first starting off about who you are as a person. What do you value? I agree with you on that. And also authenticity, too. You got to be true to like, you know, your purpose, your calling, your gifts. And you have to really react to that because I feel like there's a lot of good insight in that for you in terms of where you belong in the world. And I think it gives you direction. And so I think voice is really an important thing, too, and honoring, you know, what you feel, how you feel and how you show up in the world. I think I've struggled with my personal brand a little bit because coming from Harlem, I feel like there was like this directive from my mom, like, Mm -hmm. go there, make Mm -hmm. money, you know, bring it back home, take care of the family. But I think there was this gap in what my mom could tell me about, like navigating and what was a personal brand, you know? This is all new language for me. And so I've had to learn that and I've stumbled along the way, but I think right now it's more about leaning into who is Dwayne Cash? Mm -hmm. What does he like? What does he want? How does he show up? And leaning into that every single day. And I think you have to like force yourself to be and commit to it. And so for me, it's evolved and over time, I think that's helped my confidence too. So being in these environments where it's really diverse, like people who are like Harvard, and then you have people, me like HBCU, different schools of thought too. And so having to kind of react and like connect with people who are very much unlike you in the way you think too. So I'm mindful of like how I show up. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you show up as yourself, I think the more power and more confidence you have. So it is an ever evolving thing for me too. But my authentic self today, five years, if you check in with me, it's going to change, you know? And so and not being wed to this idea of like, this is who I am, it'll evolve. As you have collect new relationships um, and do different work, I think, you know, it'll take you somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think who you are is evolving over time. When you're earlier in your career, I think one of the most important things you can do from a personal brand perspective is just be aware of it, be intentional about what your personal brand is. We were having another conversation yesterday, and one of the things we talked about is being mindful of very small interactions. All the interactions that you are having throughout your career are going to impact you in some way. And you might think they're inconsequential Mm -hmm. in the moment, but you just never know. It's a small world, it's a small industry. So really think about who you want to be, how you want to be perceived, what is the initial response to your name when you're mentioned in rooms where you're not present. And so I I think as you navigate your organization, as you navigate the industry, be mindful of that and kind of filter your decisions through that. I want to talk about feedback. I think Mm -hmm. feedback is so critical and I'm glad you mentioned it. Navigating feedback can sometimes be difficult because there is a balance between... I think first being open to that feedback Mm -hmm. and then hearing the feedback, especially when it might touch on something that you are already insecure about, you're already conscious of and not internalizing it in a way that it damages your confidence, Mm -hmm. but really being able to act on that. And so I want to hear your perspectives on how do you navigate that? You know, I've been really lucky in my career to, as a, a young Black woman coming up in this industry, I had 
executive leaders that looked like me that gave me that feedback. So I was really lucky to have those women around me to pull me to the side and kind of say, hey, Antoinette, you're great at X, Y, and Z, but here are the things that you need to work on. And I just always felt like that advice came from an authentic place. And in that, although I've been lucky to have leaders who look like me, I've also had leaders who don't look like me. And sometimes those leaders, that feedback is just as instrumental as the feedback that you get from the people that look like you. And you have to be open and receptive. I think I've said this on a panel before where I joke, it's like, you know what you didn't do. You know that you missed that assignment. You know that you showed up a little funky in that meeting. You know you didn't come prepared. So there are certain things that you have to be true to yourself about and say, you know what, match up what feedback you're getting with how you know you are showing up as a person because that is definitely going to help you evaluate what are the things that you need to work on and also assess where the feedback is coming from and in what context because I think some times we get really defensive when we get that feedback or your first emotional reaction is to kind of fight back or feel like oh someone's trying to put you down but again context is key look at who is giving you that feedback and where it's coming from and also assess where you truly know you need to show up better and also take in the good feedback too and and take it as a balance again I've been lucky in that way where folks have said Antoinette you're doing great at this I'm not worried about you in this area but here are things that you need to work on and you have to appreciate it in a way because I think it's helped me to grow. It's helped me to have perspective. It's built my confidence. And now as a leader, I see how that feedback can help to kind of mold one's career and mold one's ideas about how they can show up better in just their personal brand. I think also, I think people, when they hear feedback, I feel like they're thinking you're asking them to change who they are. And I think that's the reaction. Like, why can't I be my authentic self? They're not hearing like you could do it better, you know? They're not there hearing it as an attack, you know? Yeah. Um, And to your point about like, sometimes you already know what you're not good at. And when you put a spotlight on that, it makes you feel even worse, Mm -hmm. you know, versus like saying like many people have told me this, maybe I should really dig in and dive into. So being objective and sometimes it depends on who it's coming from. I think that matters to a great extent because the people who care about you, Mm -hmm. they care about your like whole life. They want to see you do better, you know, and kind of grow and evolve. And so, and I think sometimes it's just like this reluctance to kind of grow and evolve and kind of stay as you are. So it's like, how do you define feedback? I think is really important. One other point I just wanted to add it, that a leader also helped me understand is solicit the feedback. Yes. Don't wait for someone to give you that feedback, but ask your kind of board of directors or people that you feel safe with, or maybe people that you've worked with from afar that might not be on your immediate team or may not directly impact your work, but you work with them, ask them how you're showing up or ask them, you know, maybe if you felt like you didn't show up well in a meeting, ping that person on the side and say, was that too much? Or what do you think about this? And they'll tell you genuinely how you showed up. It's those trusted advice. It's your leaders, but it's also your peers too. Those people next to you, to your left and your right, that can help you really get down to 
hmm, I actually need to work on this aspect of my professional brand that I might not be aware of because I have blind spots to it and I need to think more critically about that and they can really help you navigate. I think it's so important that you have personal advisors that you trust that you can use as a sounding board. I think sometimes as well, to your point, Duane, about depending on where the feedback is coming from, I think something that we have to get better at as we become more senior is separating the message from the messenger because whether you hear it or not the feedback is there and so it's a choice as to whether you take it action it sometimes you might get feedback and you think oh I feel comfortable about that that's not something I'm gonna internalize but actually if it's a theme I think having that board of directors, like you mentioned, to use as a sounding board, and you want to make sure these are folks that are not an echo chamber. They're not just telling you things you want to hear. You want to make sure they're people that you trust, people who are going to be honest and open with you. And I think that makes such a huge difference. I had a mentor years ago that told me that feedback is a gift. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is. It's I think it's the thing that will allow you to see your blind spots. And notice people, like you said, Antoinette, you have mentors that look like you and who don't look like you. I think exposure is so important. It's important for you to have mentors, colleagues, peers, you know, that don't look like you, who come from different perspectives, like you said, um, Dwayne, that can kind of give you insight into things that you might not necessarily have naturally had insight into. And I'm sure you do that for your friends as well. I do. I think on the other side of feedback is, well, there's work to do. Yes. So, and I think that's the hard part. And yeah. I think, you know, even in my experience and having received feedback, it's like, I don't know how to do that. You know, can you help me? I yeah. think, you know, asking for help for the, with the things that you don't know how to do, but also being like, mindful that like you're not going to get fired because you don't know how to do it yeah but you have to figure out a plan you know and i think that is in partnership with your manager Mm -hmm. you know and yourself about going and finding a tools to kind of like fill that gap so i totally agree yeah and i want to talk about what you said about being a leader on the flip side of someone seeking feedback i think as a leader as a mentor as a coach I think it's incumbent upon us to create a safe space where you're giving feedback in a way that is grounded in support and security. You and I have had this conversation before where we talked about actually contextualizing it for teams, making them feel as though I'm giving you this feedback so someone else doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. We have this conversation amongst ourselves so someone else isn't having this conversation. And so if you're not sure about something, you're insecure about something, you feel a little uncomfortable, you just want a sounding board, use us, use your manager. And I think as a leader, you have to create that space for your team to feel as though they can come to you and feel as though they can trust that what they're saying to you is going to be supported and respected. Absolutely. And I think that wasn't the way of the workforce prior, or maybe Mm. there wasn't an emphasis on that. I think today we have to look critically at psychological safety Mm. for our teams and our staff. And sometimes, you know, when you're in your leadership bubble, particularly where you have remote teams, it's a little bit hard to assess where everybody is and kind of what they're feeling. But I think leaning into that a little bit more is just helpful for the morale of the team in this environment where things are changing a lot, sometimes things seem a little bit uncertain, it really is important to stay connected to folks and really help them navigate in a way that we can't do in the way that we used to, Mm. right? We're not in the office with each other all the time. Many of us are working on hybrid schedules. A lot of us are working on cross-coastal teams. We're in different locations. And so that safety is helpful. And I think that 
people become more productive that way. People feel like, oh, actually, my manager cares about me. And it's not, it's about the work, but it's not only about the work, right? We spend so much time with each other. We spend so much time doing all the things. And so we need to feel comfortable. We need to feel happy in order to be productive. And so every day you kind of have to recharge yourself. And as a leader, it's important to recharge your team every day as much as you can so that they can feel like they want to contribute to the team in a way that's productive and it's exciting to come to work. Safety for me is the most important thing for every leader because I think safety says that you can make space for authenticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if you have the authentic people on your team, they can be productive. Yeah. And they're going to want to kind of give 100%. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, and so they're all connected um, in many like beautiful ways. But how do you create safety for your team? Do you just say like, hey, this is a safe space? You know, I think they're looking for behaviors. Exactly. I think they're looking for validation. They're looking for care. You know, they're looking for a little bit of nurture, too, and vulnerability, too. Yes. Because it goes both ways with safety. I think when they see us show up as ourselves and yeah. say, like, I'm having a bad day, totally. you know, that they can have bad days and talk about it, too. Yeah. Like, I'm struggling with this assignment. Can you help me? Mm. You know, I think that creates a sense of, like, this is a team, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. My number one goal is to make sure that people feel comfortable even giving me feedback right. about yes. how I show up. Yeah. And I, I solicit it. Like, y'all don't agree with me. I the one thing do. I don't want people on my team, like, when I am not, if you don't agree with me, do, do not, not make it seem like I am doing, yeah. like, yeah. a fantastic job totally. because then I fail, Yeah, you know? And then I lose the confidence of the people, too. And so yeah. not that I have to bend myself for everyone that says something, but I think at the heart is, like, they care about us, too. Oh, yeah. You know? So I think... Making it clear that give me if mm-hmm. you see something, say something. Yeah, exactly. yeah. honestly, <laughs> the New I York think, City motto, right? I think also like at a leadership level, sometimes you're not as close to lower layers of the organization. You need your teams to kind of give you a pulse check as to what's happening. If you're not open to that feedback. I think you can get into a space where you are so out of touch with what's going on and how you react to that feedback is signaling to your team whether or not they can give you that feedback. I would advise leaders to be reflective, like do some introspection on how you respond to feedback that you're getting that you don't necessarily agree with or you weren't aware of. What's your initial behavior? What's your instinct? As you're in a room, assess how your team is sharing their perspective with you. Is everyone agreeing with you? Is everyone just nodding their heads? And if that's always happening, I would challenge us to think about, is that because everything I'm saying makes sense Mm. and I'm always right and I'm fantastic? Or is it that there isn't enough safety for people to disagree and for us to have a a strong debate? And so I think that's something really important for leaders as we're growing organizations, building teams to really be open to honest feedback. I think also, I I think the connection, the relationship with the team is really important Mm -hmm. too. You talked about like, if you have 50 people, you can't know like every single person, but you have to make an effort because someone's not going to feel safe enough to say to you, the head of the group, like, you could have did different. You could have said that differently. Mm-hmm. No, like, you're the boss, mm-hmm. and I, I, don't, I want to keep my job. Yes. And so making an effort to go down into the organization, mm-hmm. get to know the people, and build that safety, I think you have to do it on an individual level. Yeah. It's hard, though, because... Sorry. There's so much work. There's mm-hmm. so many people. But I think it's meaningful when you come down from the ivory tower and say, like, how you doing? 
Yeah. You know, are you okay? <laughs> They're more likely to kind of like connect and relate mm-hmm. um, and know that you actually care and you're not just up here. And it's like, you yeah. know, I think that's been important for me to make sure I know everyone on my team, yeah. at least five things about their life, what's important to them beyond the work, though. Because mm-hmm. yes. if you make it about the work, I feel like then it becomes like disingenuous. Oh, of too, course. So. I think, too, also on the flip side, for our listeners who are not leaders themselves just yet or on that path, really owning your career in that sense too, to get connected to your leader as well. Sometimes they are in that ivory tower, but if you can find ways to have meetings or check-ins with them, I know on our team, obviously Janelle is our vice president, but our team members have monthlies with her, right? Just as a check-in yes. to kind of get a sense of what's happening. And I love that we have that because it's not just about having that connection to me, but also having visibility to the vice president, having visibility to even our senior leaders. What's kind of the tone of the direction of our strategy? What is our leadership looking for in the new environment that we're working in or just in the new year? So I think too, own that, you know, if your manager doesn't have weeklies with you or monthly check-ins, put it on their calendar, initiate that connection because they're also people too. And they're also trying to navigate as you are, but maybe they might have those areas in which they're not thinking about that, which obviously we know they should. But I think sometimes when you do have those large global teams as a, a person within that space, Definitely own your career in putting that time on, making sure you're visible, making sure you're staying connected to what leadership is doing so that that can help you grow um, and elevate in your role, too. It helps you manage the people better, too. Yeah. When you get to know who they are, For what they sure. like, you know, what gets them excited, too. That is a relationship build that you really it could be useful. Because yeah, you want it to be fun. Exactly. Yeah, right? you do. I think yeah, you do. in some aspects, I think, you know, fun is, is a broad term. <laughs> um, I think if we can talk in the context of media and entertainment, we want that connection, that thread. Like how unfun is it to yeah. work at a media and entertainment yeah, company yeah, yeah. and not have some element of fun or laughter or um, connectivity with people. I think that is just mismatched in that way. So I think we have that unique opportunity where we can add a little bit of fun and engagement that maybe other yeah. folks can't have that I think is important to people's productivity and morale. And by the way, it translates into the work. It because does. we are, in, especially in our function, we're the face of the company. Yeah. And so if you speak to a recruiter and they are not joyful about the work they're doing, they're not enjoying the environment, that's a red flag. To your point about energy, just be mindful of that energy as a leader, as an individual contributor in the team. Like, what is the energy that you're bringing to the room? That is really, really important. And it's something that we don't talk about enough. And I think what that looks like in the day to day is your ability to influence how you influence folks, understanding how they internalize and digest messages Think about who your audience is and what you want them to take away from what you're saying. I think that's that's really, really important. Well, I want to pivot a little bit to something that you said before, Duane, about authenticity. And I think there is an intersection between influence, authenticity, context, and code switching. Yes. <laughs> I think we often talk about how do I show up as my authentic self and how you know, and us not being in a situation where we're constantly needing to code switch. And I think sometimes we conflate code switching with context switching. And what I mean by that is 
the way I show up with my friends and my family is probably different to the way I show up with acquaintances or even the way I show up with my siblings and the way I show up with my parents. That's different. All context switching all the time. And so I think that is an important skill that you have to hone and navigate. Whereas I think code switching is probably more about you feeling as though you can't be your authentic self, who you are. And you sometimes feel like you're betraying yourself. You sometimes feel as though, you know, you're not as proud of yourself when you look in the mirror. I want to hear from both of you what your barometers are as to how you draw the line between the two. I have my own perspective. I want to hear what you guys think. Well, I, I think it's something that I struggle with, too. And I think I'm going back to my early career mm. where I was queer and I was like in this uncomfortable space and I would come to work. And I think some of my friends at work would like, you know, who are you going on a date with? Like, what girl? I'm like, oh, my gosh, they think I'm like straight. And so mm. I tucked that away for a long time. And it really like messed with my development because mm. I was not showing up as my full self because I, I, I figured that I was going to be judged for it. Yeah. And it might like interrupt my trajectory that mm. I built for myself too. So I hit it. And I think sometimes it's us that make assumptions about how people are going to respond and react to us in the, in the workplace. And so now I'm like undoing some of those things and like presenting my full self because there's safety to kind of do that. But I try to bring a thoughtful sense of who I am. I want to give people a consistent experience with who I am. So if I am thoughtful, creative, and just smart. I want to deliver that consistently mm. to the people too. And so you get to kind of own your brand in that way. And that if you say you're this person, deliver it every single time mm. and people will believe you. And mm. so I don't have problems with code switching. Mm. It's more about like filling out the room. You know, what can mm. I say? Is it going to be safe enough to say that? Are you going to be open to what I'm saying? Mm. So I spend more time in my head thinking about like what is the culture here, you yeah. know, I think mm. the culture drives to a large degree how you can show up in the organization. Mm. You've got to pay attention to the cues. Yep. You know, there are a lot of unspoken rules of order. I think we've been on this like journey of like, bring your full self. And that's not really true. And I think mm. you set up people for, for, for failure yeah. when you when you say that and then like judge them for doing that, mm. too. But also defining like, what does authenticity mean? Mm. So I think that's at the core. You know, does that mean that I'm going to. You know, I'm with my cousins, I'm this way and I'm going to like bring that, you know, mm. to my job. It's more about like, who am I? What am I about? Mm. What do I want the people to know about me? What do I feel comfortable with the people yeah. knowing about me? So I've been thinking about that, teasing that out a bit for myself. Mm. And it's going to evolve, you know, as we kind of grow, as we have life experiences. And so that's something I'm always thinking about, top mm. of mind. I'm not sure if I answer your question, but <laughs> it is... <laughs> You did, because it's, okay. it's, there's no, you know, it's not an easy question to answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something that we're all always working on. Like you said, you're working on it, I'm working on it. And what that looks like has evolved over time. And like, you know, times have changed as well, because yeah. right now I think like there's obviously still a lot of work to do, but mm -hmm. I think we can be more ourselves than we ever have before. I agree with that. Yeah, I think before you used to walk in a room and very rarely would anyone on, a, on an executive team look like us and when they did they had a very specific mold they had to fit and one example i'll use is when i was coming up often if i saw a woman that looked like myself in a room you know they would straighten their hair and like mm -hmm. to be clear i think you can wear that your hair how you like it but i say that to say sometimes that wasn't the case they were just doing it because that was the definition of professional and so as a young black woman coming up i thought oh that was the cue 
for me to get to that level of seniority, I also need to like straighten my hair and look a certain way. And so now that I'm in that position, I'm mindful of that. And I, I often think to myself, oh, that's no longer an issue. And one example of that, I went to Grace Hopper recently and I had a young lady come up to me. She asked what I did and I told her and she goes, oh, and I had my afro out that day. And she goes, oh, and you're wearing an afro. And so that was a cue to me to say, ah, oh, there is still work to do. And so I'm very mindful of how I show up because I want the generation that's coming up behind me to feel even more that they can be themselves than I did. And I, you know, I, I, like we talked about before, I think we're all standing on the shoulders of giants because Mm -hmm. for me to be able to do this, there were, you know, folks that came before and, you know, dared to be themselves. And so I would say, dare to be yourself. Sometimes it's risky and obviously you have to calculate how much of that risk you want to take. But I think also when you're in an organization where you feel like you can't be yourself and you're in a space where they're stifling you, you have to ask yourself the question, Mm -hmm. what am I doing to myself? Am I being true to myself? If I'm not appreciated in this space, is this a good use of my time? Is this a good use of my talents, my mm-hmm. gifts? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. And I think it's difficult because, you know, life is real. <laughs> you need to have a job. You need to have a career. You, yeah. you, and so I think as we become leaders, we have to, like, create that space and that safety for the generation coming up behind us. Yeah. One thing, just, yeah. I th- you have to create safety for yourself. For yourself. Yeah. Yes. You have to honor your spirit. I think your spirit yeah. is going to always let you know when, totally. you know, is it like a, I'm uncomfortable mm. or this right. is not safe, you yeah. know? And I think you do great harm to yourself by staying in environments mm-hmm. and cultures yes. that don't honor who you are, yeah. that reject you to in some, in some kind of ways. And that like stays with you as trauma yes. in your spirit. And oh so you've got to be careful where, is this too hard that they're asking me to do or am I just not in the right culture? And sometimes mm-hmm. you got to make the hard decision to like leave yeah. and yeah. find healthy spaces. Yes. And I think, Absolutely. you know, I think about career, it starts at like, how do you define what a healthy culture is? Yeah. What kind of leader do you want to work for? Yeah. You've got to do that work before you even start an interview yeah. process with anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like because that is your barometer because you're asking the right questions. You're going to get assessed like, is this safe here? You know, mm-hmm. am I my, my my boss has like an afro mm-hmm. like that tells you something, you know, right. it gives you, you know, and I, I think of safe like I have pink boots and I'm like, can I wear my pink boots here? <laughs> so I don't true. know. That is that is authenticity for me. You know, can I come and bring my my partner and I, you mm-hmm. know, pictures and sit them on the table without someone like, mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you got to like honor that and really, truly honor it because it backfires on you. But yeah. safety first Choice. for your own safety self, first. you know, and then looking for that within the organization by way of research, by way of just asking the point of questions, you yes. know, yeah. in these interview processes. So Exactly. Yeah. Like, sorry. Spot, no, no. I think both of all the things that you both have said are just spot on for myself. Being Jamaican-American and growing up with immigrant parents, you're always switching your Mm -hmm. code, (laughs) your context, right? Like Mm -hmm. the way that you address the elders in your home or your family or how you conduct yourself at home is definitely different from how you conduct yourself outside. And particularly growing up in New York City and being the first American in my family, there was definitely a generational and cultural divide at home, just in my personal life. And so going into the workforce, you're like, oh, 
Actually, this is just like an elevated version of mm-hmm. what I have to do at, at home, home in a way. <laughs> um, but I think it's so funny because I feel like you always say I show up as my authentic self. And I'm like, do I? And I think I think you do. I think I do. I think I do in, in many ways. But I also am really aware of my audience. Mm. And I think that is really critical in how you're showing up in certain <laughs> spaces that you know, I, I know I'm I'm loud. You all can't see me, but I'm I'm tall. I have a presence and I know that. And so sometimes that might not be palatable for certain audiences in certain environments and certain situations. And that doesn't mean that I dim my light, but that does mean that I kind of, you know, tailor how I'm showing up in certain things. And also it depends on what type of message I'm trying to convey at that time or what level of influence I'm trying to have or what types of relationships I'm trying to build. I know how I need to show up in a certain way. You know, as a recruiter, I was saying to Janiel, the way you show up to your finance and legal and corporate clients is different how you would show up to like the marketing and PR clients, right? Because you need to build a level of trust with those clients so that they know that you understand the work that they're doing. You understand the population that they're trying to recruit. You understand the work that they're doing. And there are different nuances to those different cultures and different areas of business. And so the way I I show up or the way I would organize my thoughts or communicate with different segments of the audiences that I'm, I'm dealing with is the same way that I would do if I was at home. But I will say, if you ever see me, I'm probably going to be wearing a bright color. And that is absolutely authentic to myself. (laughs) I might have um, gold hoops in my ears and I've been wearing gold hoops since I'm five years old and that is just like my thing. So if I can't do that and bring that into a space, I then, like you both said, have to assess, is that the right fit for me? And I think partly that's why I'm in this industry because I understand the culture of the industry and I understand that me showing up in the way that I show up is not surprising or glaring to a lot of people. However, I might not have showed up that way fully 20 years ago, 15 years ago, because the dynamic of the workplace was just different. And I think today folks are lucky who are coming Mm -hmm. in because you do have more of those examples that I think Janelle Duane and I may not have had fully in years past that I think are opening the way for folks to really show up in the way that they want to. But you do have to tailor and package who you are in certain environments, right? Either you're going to Catholic school, you have to wear a uniform. If you go into public school, you don't have to wear a uniform, but there's still a dress code. There's still a way that you show up. There's still a culture in that sense. You know, if I'm going to Jamaica and I know that I'm going to one of the elders' home, I might not wear an outfit that I'm going to wear on the resort, right? Or I'm not going to be maybe as boisterous as I would be with if I'm with my friends. So I think those are the things that you have to assess without feeling like you're stifling yourself or you're doing away with who your authentic self is. I think you have to look at what are your must-haves mm. and what are the things that are not deal breakers. Yeah, like non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I just that just came to mind was if everyone's showing up in the workplace as their authentic selves, there's going to be clashes. Mm. Yeah. So, and so yes. managing that, I'm like, your brand might not resonate with mine. Yes. And so that becomes like problematic to some degree and mm. learning how to like navigate this culture where you're loud, I'm quiet. And I'm like, gosh, she's always loud, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I don't think that. I don't think I know, that. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> 
I know. But it, 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 there's something there, you yeah. know, that really informs how you show up, too. You know, I think this extrovert versus introvert energy, yes. too. And so there's something there. But I think it's creating space for each other because I think I'm also an introvert. And I think one of the things that, like, definitely in media and entertainment, I think, you know, we have a bias towards a more extroverted side it's of things. Yes. Because, yes. And yes. so I think it's important for us to be able to see introverts in the room and know that, hey, we have to create space for people that are probably more reflective and want to have time to reflect on what they're going to say versus just in the moment loving to, we love a, a, a brainstorm. Yeah, and yeah. so I think just being mindful of that, I want to talk about what you said about the gold hoops. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you show up with your gold hoops because <laughs> and why I say that is because there is a archetype yes. in our minds of what an executive looks like yes. and I think the content of what you're saying like you said I have to be mindful of the information the data I'm taking to a room like how I influence what I put in my presentation I think that is what the focus needs to be on the content of what you're delivering mm-hmm. I think what you look like and how you show up we need to create spaces and be comfortable to show up the way we are because we're then telling the world that hey executives come in all different shapes sizes we all look differently we all dress differently and that is okay and by the way that's reflective of the audiences that we serve we serve such a diverse audience and i think to authentically connect with those audiences you have to have folks that are behind the camera that understand those audiences that are helping to make those decisions that are driving our content driving our products that are going to resonate with them so i think it is important for you to be who you are and for us to be comfortable with that and create that environment where we can you know navigate those differences that you mentioned Dwayne. It's interesting because I feel like we come from different backgrounds but I feel like mm-hmm. this is a lesson in diversity mm-hmm. and yes. culture for a lot of people yes. who are not so exposed and so you do a disservice to the organization when you don't show up exactly. with your gold hoops when yeah. you don't show up with your cultural heritage yeah. because this is how people learn you this know is this exactly. is learn. and for most people it's like this is the only experience they have exposure to people of color mm-hmm. and from different mm-hmm. countries mm-hmm. so I think you that was a that was really like good yeah <laughs> It was really good, but it, it really is. You know, sometimes I'm from Harlem and I feel yeah. like sometimes that comes out, you know? Yeah. And I forget that I'm from Harlem until yes. I'm like, you so Harlem. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, it makes me feel comfortable when I could just like be, you, yeah. know? you know? And I think no matter how much you package or code switch or tailor who you are, you are who you, you are. are who you are. I mean, like, and it's going to yeah. come through. And yeah. I think even though we have our kind of professionalism or professional kind of demeanor that we show up with, I can characterize both of you mm. in a way that I know is authentic to who you are. I know it's coming from mm. a Harlem place. Mm. <laughs> I know where it's coming from, Janelle. Like, I know that that is something actually that's unique about you, mm. right? Your authenticity yeah. is also What's unique about you that you bring to a room? You know, yes, I project. I'm a loud person. But guess what? I'm the person that they tap to say, come be on the panel. You know, I was a recruiter. You have to have the stamina to talk to people and persuade people, sell the brand, sell the role that you're talking about. And so I can do that effortlessly because of how I talk and people will listen to me and interviewing people. So also think about what's authentic about you and what's unique about you that 
actually is an asset to the job that you have. Again, talking about different cultural backgrounds, being a diversity executive and practitioner, I'm at the table sometimes where we're having conversations about cross-cultural influences, cross-gender awareness. And so I have to have a perspective and I can have that perspective from an authentic place because I have immigrant parents, because I've grown up in New York City, because I'm a Black woman, because I'm a millennial. All of these things are assets to my job and also to the environment that I'm working in. So you have to think about it as such too. Like, is it necessary for me to coach switch in this way? Or is there something about me or my whole self that actually adds value to the task at hand or to the environment that I'm in? And why are you at the table? You're at the table because your perspective is needed. Yes. So this podcast is typically very technical in its focus. And one of the reasons we chose to do this is because we all know functional expertise only gets you so far. Mm-hmm. Leadership is a whole different ball game. still a part of the job, but recognizing and being intentional about how you develop those skills once you have mastered your functional expertise. And one of the things we had talked about, about offline was around understanding how to connect with your teams, understanding how to tap into your EQ. For example, you might be moving into a role where you have to make tough decisions, but I think just understanding where your team is coming from, if for example, you have to discontinue a piece of work or you have to change something they've spent a lot of time working on, I think sometimes the temptation is to just not address it, just not factor in how people might be feeling. But I think it's so critical that you acknowledge and recognize what people have poured into the work they have produced. You know, they've taken a lot of time to do this. This has taken a lot of time away from their friends and family. And this is, you know, sometimes their baby. And I think acknowledging that, that you have to make a tough business decision that might not be in line with where they were going. But I think they appreciate that. And I think as a leader, that's one of the things you have to do to really level up, really focus on developing your EQ. Yeah, I feel like it's about nurturing your employees and your consumers as Mm. well. I think it's messaging too, because I feel like when you have to make these hard decisions, to your point about it, when you have the relationship and connection, it it goes over well, you know? But I think it's also about like, these are the very same people who are gonna be here. So then how do you inspire the people Mm. after these hard decisions to still show up and give like 125% mm-hmm. versus 100. And it makes me think about like leadership being redefined, reimagined. Because yes. there are some elements that have like, you know, come up in years that you really have to have the capacity to kind of like speak to diverse audiences or engage mm-hmm. or connect. Mm-hmm. The EQ piece is really important. The empathy piece is important. You can't just be smart. You know, yeah. I don't think that's enough. Exactly. It's not you enough can. for today, though. Yeah. You and, know? S- yeah. and smart in different ways, ways. as well. Like yes. the definition yes. of smart has shifted. Totally agree. And different. you touched on something about being inspiring. And we talk about this all the time. I think we you stole this from Brene Brown. Mm. But being a thermometer yeah. versus being a thermostat. And yeah. as a leader, you are determining the energy in the room. You're bringing yeah. warmth, energy. Yeah. You're energizing your team you're inspiring them and i think going into a room being mindful of how people are feeling in that room what's creating that feeling and then determining what you need to bring to the room to make sure that the temperature in the room is where you want it to be you're regulating that you're making sure that people are leaving feeling nurtured and energized because to your point they're already depleted having spent time on so much Mm. 
inside of work and outside of work you know this is an environment that's going through constant change evolution and it's exhausting yeah and so we all know when we come out of a meeting out of a town hall out of a conversation and we feel like more of this or you come out feeling like hey this has been really tough but i'm ready to go right i'm so energized i trust that person they're authentic. I connect with them. They're they're in it with me. They feel that way too. And so I think sometimes leaders tend to think, oh, hey, I have to show up and I have to like be uber positive and I have to like, you know, package this as just good news. And it doesn't resonate because it's not authentic and yep. it doesn't feel authentic. Mm-hmm. But I think when they come into a room and they say, hey, this is tough. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, this doesn't feel good. We've been here before, but we have to do this. And here's why. And, you know, I understand if you feel like you don't want to be on this journey with us because it's just taking too much. Mm-hmm. But if you are willing to come on the journey, here's where I think this is going to lead us. So stick with us a little mm-hmm. bit longer. Yeah. And so I think just to your point, to all the points earlier around authenticity and making connection, I think you can only do that when you're connected to your team. Yeah. And I think EQ and empathy. I think leading with empathy is so important. And I think sometimes we don't focus on that enough. Mm-hmm. But the vision part, so I think that's the, the you have to, if you say, if not this, then, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you've got to like build the inspiration by casting the vision, uh-huh. you know? And, and you yourself like, have to be inspired you, too, you really right? Do. I think your you really people do. also can get that energy as we're talking about. Yeah. Like if you're not inspired, if you're just energy, showing yep, up yep. to check off your list and check off your boxes, yeah. they're going to feel that as well. And yeah. I think the pandemic helped to highlight that in a way the the pandemic and then also black lives matter and that whole movement and stop asian hate and all the other things that came to the surface were like we are also we're working but we're humans we're human beings we're people we don't know what's happening next and like we need each other to help motivate us and keep us going because there's so much uncertainty every day we're looking on the news and we're trying to figure out what's happening there's so many changes and shifts that are happening in the world so much sadness so much you know pushing us in a place of just not feeling like there's trust or people that we can build loyalty with and so that sense of community became ever present that as a leader you have to build that within your teams as well you have to support folks in a different way than you did before it's about the work but it can't just be monotone about the work about the work you have to stay connected to the individuals that are doing the producing of that work and that are executing or else you're going to lose people. And the generations to come are going to dictate that. I think they are already, but it's going to push leadership in a different way than we've ever had before. I think this multi-generational workforce is really critical in moving that forward, right? Like millennials are now becoming senior leaders. Gen Z is in the workforce. Gen A is on their way. And so they're going to push the changing dynamic of how leadership and, and team structures are that I think people need to be anticipating and working towards now so that they're prepared for it or else it's, it's going to be an interesting time. I think you need both perspectives, you know, yeah. millennials and Gen X, I feel like they all add value. Oh, so yeah. Figuring out how do we like, you know, pull from every kind of like, you know, yeah, <laughs> it is, it is because there's a mentorship piece of it. There's reverse mentorship. Oh, you know, so that's I'm really big. big. On that. Yeah, that's really, really big because it prepares. But it also says that the vulnerable leader has to say, like, I don't know that, I you don't know, know, teach me that. 
Yeah. You know? So we have to start to kind of like amplify some of these relationships and dynamics in the workplace so that everyone exists, people have a voice, and people or everyone's shaping the future to some degree. And um, a level of transparency. Yeah. I think to my earlier point around having that connectivity as a media and entertainment industry to what's happening and also not being exempt from being in the headlines. Yeah. That also pushes leaders, right? Like I might get the news about what's going on at work before I get to work. And so like having to be able to manage that level of transparency challenges leaders in a different type of way. Like how do you anticipate what might hit the press that your staff might get a clue on as they're going into the office that you didn't get a chance to send a memo about and like how much are we leaning on the memos versus just like hey guys team huddle 15 Mm. minutes just want to give you some updates this is what's coming down the pipeline this is how we're going to challenge it or this is how we're going to work towards it or whatever this is what we need so that when you see it it's not a shock but leaders are employees as well yes they feel everything that everyone else feels and so having to kind of struggle with like even messaging when I'm upset too, I you know? know, and not say like, that I can't present. say that to it's y'all, like, but matter. like, you know, yeah. and it's just, I think I struggle with that too. Cause there's a lot of like triggers for me. I'm like, well, I have these strong emotions. I'm like, nope, I got to inspire this team. Yeah. Let's get together. Like, and then go home like, and yeah. scream at my pillow. <laughs> I think that is, the, and I, it makes me sometimes want to like, you know, just like, let me just go back to be icy so yeah. I can just not have to tuck these things away and be able to not to express them, you yeah. know, and not be vulnerable or transparent. But I am transparent with my team, you know, because I feel like that transparency, that vulnerability makes them feel like you're human. Oh, you know, yeah. You're not like a robot. You know, you're not just saying like, this is what the leadership wants to do. Like, let's do it. But you feel a lot of things that everyone else feels, mm-hmm. how you process it. And I think I that's such a good point to, again, talk to the audience about in that that reverse leadership or that reverse support that your leaders are also human so think about from your own seat how can you also help create a better team dynamic right because sometimes I think team members because they don't have that leadership visibility can get stuck in just like the mess right versus saying you know what actually today i'm gonna show up positive as well to help change the dynamic of the team maybe if my peer sees that i'm a little bit happy or has some level of understanding of what's going on that helps to uplift and mobilize the rest of the team versus everybody just sitting in a you know state of fear or uncertainty or strong emotions that don't build positivity so i think that is critical too for us as well because we all have a leader right even us in leadership positions we also have leadership that we report to and have to think about and so I'm always trying to think about like how do I make my boss's job easier or lighten the load if it's like if all of this is on my plate and I feel heavy and I'm human what is she dealing with at her level what do I not even have visibility to even as a director that is looming that she's probably trying her best to just like get through the day and get us going so I look you know to my left and my right to say how can I even show up better and just build some positive energy even if I'm not feeling the best but it's it's all a trickle down effect for sure and then being thoughtful about what is distraction and noise versus what is valuable for you to kind of lean into and talk about and sometimes if it's something that you can't affect if it's something that you can't change that's not the best use of your energy Mm -hmm. so i think really spending some time thinking about is this useful energy is this a great use of my time and can i better spend this time somewhere else and to your point Dwayne, i think you thinking about hey here are all the things that do i 
How do I package this for my team? How are they feeling? Like making sure that at the leadership level, that team is connected and they're having those conversations. Mm -hmm. Because I think if at the leadership level, they're having those pair conversations around, hey, this is what's happening in the organization. How are we feeling? What are some of the things we're struggling with? And then that will make it easier for us to then package the message for our teams. But I think thinking about just building the camaraderie within the leadership teams, you can tell when that doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. It is transparent because Mm -hmm. that trickles down in the organization. And so I think as a leadership team, us being mindful of how we stay connected and how transparent we are with each other and how we show up for each other, you know? I think our teams are looking to us to say, how do they relate to each other? What's the dynamic in that team? (laughs) Yeah. And do we, we say we're one team, but do they show up as one Mm -hmm. team? And so I think, you know, just modeling those behaviors because it also provides a sense of comfort. I'll use the analogy of kids and their parents. You might think you're going into the next room to have a conversation and the kids don't know. They feel that energy. Oh, they They do. They know. They know before you say anything. They know and so really, you know, being thoughtful about doing the work mm-hmm. um, so you can be authentic with your teams and vulnerable. And they appreciate and respect that. Like, we're all adults in this working environment. So yeah. I, I think that is also respectful That's of our teams. That's such a great point, Janelle, because I think I mentioned earlier, I've been in this industry for a long time and there's always change. There's always things happening, mergers, acquisitions, spinoffs, layoffs. I mean, like all kinds of things happening. I think that is so important that that energy is infectious, how you show up. And, it, you know, it's hard, but you have to do it as a leader. It's a part of your job. It is. I, I had a like a special moment where I was feeling stuck like at work. And someone from my team brought me a gift. And I didn't say I was stuck at all. So I think to your point, like how people feel your energy. Yeah. He brought me like this. Like, I got you a gift. It's it's like a game called Unstuck. And I'm like, how did... Yeah, I almost cried. Oh, like, wow. Did, it was so wild. And yeah. I'm like, it was so beautiful. And I got, he felt what I felt. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have to pay attention to how we show up. And not to, not to say I would have showed up differently, but like this is a team effort. It's a like, team effort. Sometimes your leader needs coaching, needs, help, needs support. advice, needs like, you know, that push. Um, and it's not just this top-down approach, Mm-mm. you know. It really Long is. Gone. Like, we teach, we learn, you know, we grow, but we support each other. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful thing. When you when you create that relationship yeah. and connection, they will feed you. Yes. You know, when it's time, you know, you don't have to say that I am hungry. Uh-huh. They're going to feed you. They're going to feed you. You know, um, in the way that you have done for them. And so team dynamics, I think, is just really beautiful. And it takes some time to kind of nurture it that. It takes time. And develop yeah. it. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it will. It will. And it'll come back to, like, grow you in ways. Mm-hmm. I think we have this idea that, you know, we're the leader. We're the teachers, and then we can't like grow from our oh team. Oh my gosh! No, every you know? day is a growth opportunity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every I, I, I say like you know we have like this teach and learn environment mm-hmm. on my team. Like mm-hmm. I could be the teacher, I could be the student, and creating that space for people. I don't know that. Teach me that. Yes. You know? Yeah. That is a beautiful moment where like we're all in it together, mm-hmm. and we're invested in each other's Very development. Yeah. And so it's just a proud moment. So, yeah. 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 So we're going to close with our favorite question. What's one piece of advice that has served you well throughout your career? I would say, and it goes to the theme of what we talked about, is never dim your light. 
Yeah. I think that is uh, advice that I continue to get in moments where I feel challenged or maybe I'm just not having a good day or don't feel good about the work that I've done or, you know, I, I'm my worst critic. So I'm always like, I can do better. I'm highly extroverted, but sometimes I introvert. I'm also an only child. So sometimes I take time to just like pull back and process. And people always tell me all the time, don't dim your light. That is something that is unique to you. And that is something that is true to who you are. And so you can't walk around dimming your light. That's just, it's like, a spe- it's special. That's what makes me special. And I have to just own that and continue that. So I'd say that's the best advice I've gotten like so that. far. Yeah. I would say, I think someone told me, stop thinking your career is about you. There are other people that need you to go and learn so you can go back and teach. Mm. And so I think you think about mentorship and sponsorship and coaching is preparing the future. And so when you say no to things or you hide away or shy away from things, you're not able to kind of go back and pour into the people. So um, I think about it every single day. So Mm -hmm. how about you? Yeah. I think the best piece of advice I've gotten was be mindful of the energy that you bring to a room because mm. it is the first thing people see about you. Yeah. Oh, yes. And so I carry that with me all the time. Yeah. Regardless of how I'm feeling before I go into a room and into a conversation, I'm just mindful that your energy goes before you and it's what you leave behind. Yep. 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 And so, yeah, I think that's been the most instrumental. I like that. That's a good I'm going to steal that one. I'm stealing I'm both steal of yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> All right. What are you guys watching, reading, listening to? And this does not have to be an ad for WBD. <laughs> I just read The Fifth Mountain by Paulo. Same author of like The Alchemist. Mm. Um, and it blew my mind. This journey of faith, you know, and destination and purpose and gifts and talents. And it just grabbed me in a way that was just so like amazing and so i'm still like processing that Mm. because i think it just gave me so much hope Mm. inspiration i'm spiritual and so it was really timely too in terms of like you know what are your gifts and shying away from my gifts Mm. you know and how do you share your gifts Mm. you know the gifts are not to be like stored they you can't take them with you you, you yes you can you can Mm -hmm. you know and teaching too Mm. so that just resonates with me and it just makes me think about purpose you know Mm. i know we're talking about work but like our lives are bigger than work too. You know, it's impact, it's influence, it's legacy. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about legacy. What do I leave behind mm-hmm. for the people who come behind me and the people who are before me too? Because we learn from like at every level. And so thinking about the responsibility of leadership and mentorship and not being shy to share, you know, if the universe gives you wisdom, you know, you got to like pour it back, you know, and it comes back. Anyway, that's what I'm, that's what I've read. I'm done with the book, but figuring out my next book. No, oh, that's fascinating. Mine is probably a little boring, but I'm I'm actually reading this book. Um, and I picked it up in the airport. It's a tiny book. It's the Harvard Business Review 2024 HR Trends, but it's like really fascinating. It's like conceptually, you know, all of these things, but to read it laid out and it also has just like advice about the new workforce and the new environment, the new expectations. And so I'm on page 10. I literally just like started reading it, but it's really fascinating. It's a good one to read. That's so you. (laughs) So you. It's so good. It's so good. 
It's really good. As far as TV, I don't watch. I I need to get into series more. I need to do a better job at that. But I like mindless TV. It's really like it just it just frees me um, from the days of just like other stress. And so it's fun to watch other people stressed out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in a way but I learn things you know I always I learn a lot from the reality shows it's also what you take from content right yeah. and so yeah. some on the reality shows I learned you know I love fashion I love traveling and so sometimes you get inspiration from yeah, um, course, the shows yeah. on where people travel or what they're doing or even what they're talking about so yeah I love a good housewives binge I am listening to you because I'm, audio, I'm an audiobook person I'm listening to The Diary of a CEO. It's a collection of interviews by someone called Stephen Bartlett, where he's interviewing, it says CEOs, but like just leaders of industry, yeah. folks with different um, types of experience. And it's fascinating as they talk about their, their various journeys. I'm with you on TV. I'm either a documentary person or mm, I'm watching same. reality TV. I like watching social interactions. Like yes. I'm obsessed with 90 Day Fiancé, 90 Day Fiancé the other way, 90 Day Fiancé, the diaries, all the versions. Oh, wow. I think... My mom too. I will tell you why. <laughs> because the cultural interactions, and that speaks to my background. Yes. I am Jamaican, grew up in the UK, moved to the US, and so I just love to see how the cultures interact. It's fascinating. Mm. Completely mindless, total escapism. Mm. But yeah. Brilliant. Guys, we could keep going for another hour and a half. We probably will when the, you know, when things turn off. But <laughs> <laughs> it's been so amazing having you guys here. What a great conversation. I hope the audience takes um, something useful, tangible away from this. I know I have. Thank you so much for making time in your day to do this. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you. Yes, thanks for having us. This was amazing. Okay, everyone, we hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. If you did, please go ahead and rate and review, which will allow other women in our space to find this great content. And of course, like and subscribe. If you are interested in hearing more about careers at WBD, please check us out at careers.wbd.com. All right, see you next time. <laughs>